Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. I am Liz Dolan in Santa Monica, California. It is Sunday, May 17th. Two of my sisters are here with me. Monica Dolan, you are in Portland, Oregon. What's going on up there? Well, just happy to be with you guys this morning. Just laying low. I'm on call, so can't really do too much. It's a good excuse to do nothing. (laughs) So if Monica bags out in the middle of the show, you'll know she has a legitimate excuse. Uh, (laughs) Leon, you're in Pasadena, California, where I believe I'm going to be later today. So uh, how's everything out there? Excellent. I have some very special house guests you're going to hear about later on in the show, Liz. So uh, we have been having an excellent time thus far. Fantastic time. Everyone had toast for breakfast. I can report that. (laughs) Okay. We have a lot coming up in today's show. Sort of a, you know, a tidbit platter of uh, news-like items. (laughs) Julie, by the way, Julie Dolan is in Machu Picchu as we speak or on her way, or at the very least, she's somewhere in Peru. She's there. I've seen the photos. Oh, you have? Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. She's there. She's in Costco. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Sheila Dolan could not join us today because she said she is doing report cards. So as you know, Sheila is a third grade teacher, so it is the report card time of year. But we do have you know, a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. It is for me, Liz, uh, this is the best week of the year at work. And I'm going to explain why. Um, and it started with meeting Snoopy and (laughs) which (laughs) I'll I'll explain more about that. Monica technology roundup, all kinds of things coming from your neck of the woods, huh? Yes, yes. I'm upgrading. I'm acquiring some apps. I have questions about apps. Um, yeah. See how that iPhone changes your life? It just yeah. changes your life. Um, I also, uh, Leon, I called Monica this week for a medical referral. I, I will explain that to you in an upcoming story. We have a couple of things from our Facebook page about how to work with women and whether squirts at work are a thing. And then, surprisingly, you wanted to bring it on home with a cat story. Liz, it appears that I have opened myself up to cats. <laughs> And I'll explain what the sign was yesterday, what happened yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. There you go. This is a major development for for Leon and her allergies. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So what is exactly going on at your house in Pasadena? Well, I do have um, Julie's son, Will, is here, uh, his wife, Lauren, and their baby, Josephine. So everyone who's listened to Satellite Sisters knows that's the team from Brooklyn where Julie has spent uh, Urban Nana did some stints in February and March, and they have come to California for a visit. They are going to a wedding, and they're seeing a lot of friends here, so they're here at my house. They arrived yesterday, and they're here through Wednesday. So it's very exciting, uh, actually, to have house guests. That's fun for me. Um, But to have a baby, it's the first time I've met Josephine. She is so cute, Liz. Where do you meet her later tonight? She's adorable. She is just so cute. But 
Julie earlier in the weeks like texted me a photo of Josephine like on the floor scooting towards the camera and she's like she's coming to see you and that's when I realized like oh my god I haven't had a nine-month-old in the house in like 16 years (laughs) and my floors are dirty (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah it's a different standard yeah like when you guys come i know you're not going to be crawling around on the floor picking up things to eat (laughs) maybe some housekeeping things i i don't really get to because very few people are actually slithering around on the floor in my home so i saw this photo and i was like oh my gosh it just didn't. And then Julie said, you might want to do a little bit of baby proofing. And then you look around and you're like, but why? We have a lot of tchotchkes below the two feet level. How did that happen? And plugs and cords and, and everything. So I, this, I had to approach this. This is a mom level of cleaning. You know, when mom, like yesterday, Friday, I started, you guys, I swept the floor, I vacuumed, I washed the floor, I scrubbed the floor, and then I dried the floor. Like the floor has never been cleaner in my house. At one point, my son arrived yesterday with some friends. I was like, don't come in the house. You're not allowed in the house. The floor's <laughs> clean. The baby's got And I had to like strip anything below the three feet level. They're in the guest room and the guest bathroom tends to be, I have that bookshelf where I put a lot of stuff, mainly Uh stuff mom gave me like, you know, figurines. I put that there. I had to get rid of all that to open up the closets. I had to like, just forget about any guest pillows and things. They don't need decorative pillows in there. I don't want to smother the baby. You know, it's just, (laughs) I can't. I just, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a completely different level of guest when they're only <laughs> nine, nine months old. <laughs> you would think it would be easier, but you're right. right. When you put it that way. No, it's not, it's not easier. And she is just adorable, but I'm, she was crawling around today, pulling up on things. I, I was able to borrow from the neighbors. I borrowed a, a high chair, I borrowed a play mat, um, I had to actually purchase a play and pack at the last minute, but that worked fine. They had a very good priced one at Target. So, you know, I'm ready. If anyone else wants to bring their nine-month-old, I have the play and pack. I got to buy the sheets. I mean, it's fun to buy baby stuff. I bought some, <laughs> a few other things. Well, yeah. Wow, you went nuts. Yeah, but then I did um, the Martha Stewart test on the guest room, okay? Now, Julian, I talked that? Well, Julian, Martha has this great list of like things you should have in your guest room. And Julian and I talked about it on the show like a year ago, I think. One of Martha's big standards is that you should spend a night in your own guest room and then discover like what you don't have for your guests. And so we actually spent the night in the guest room a couple of weeks ago. I forget why we couldn't sleep upstairs, but we were in there and we discovered, first of all, like that our neighbor has installed a Gestapo-like uh, security light in his home, which <laughs> shines directly into the guest room. Oh, like, okay. like, so I had to buy blackout curtains for the guest room doors. Like we didn't, we don't have a clock in there. I had to get a clock. I was at my brother's a couple weeks ago. When you're on a different time zone, you get hungry at weird times in the night. So I put food in there for Will and Lauren. There's a snack back. There's water. There's kind bars. There's a beef jerky I bought. You better be she- careful. Sheila's going to move in. If you <laughs> if you put too much more stuff in that guest room, Sheila's only a mile away now. She's going to move right in there. 
there's a, a blow dryer in there now. I didn't have a blow dryer for the guests. There's, you know, your own sundries, your personal body scrubber. I mean, we are set in the guest room. The guest room is Martha Stewart level good. I got, <laughs> you know, I didn't really have a good like mattress cover for the bed. So I got the new mattress cover. It's, it's legitimate. They said they had the best night of sleep ever in that guest room. So I feel like I have done an excellent job, not only with the guests, but also with the cleanliness of the floors. <laughs> so tonight we're having the auntie over. Liz, you're coming. I think Sheila's coming. Uh, Will and Lauren suggest you come around 5.30 p.m. That's when she, that's when Josephine's at her prime. Thank okay, <laughs> 5.30. Well, that's what I want. I only right. want babies at their prime. Right. Right. 6.30, it could be all over. Right. That's it. She goes to bed at like 7 p.m. She's a good sleeper. So, uh, so if you come, she'll be with us for the cocktail and hors d'oeuvre hour, and then we'll have dinner when she goes to bed. Liz. Oh, that's, that's ideal. That's ideal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it was funny because I did have to think like, I'm not a grandmother. Uh, I'm not Nana. I'm, I'm just come and go as you want. You don't have to sit down. Let's all stand around and have dinner. I'm not going to make people like have big giant meals. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what you eat or where you eat it. Good. We'll just have some food. I don't know. So it's been fun. We already took a walk this morning. She's napping. We've had coffee. We've had playtime. They're going to some museums. So we're going to be busy today. But it's exciting to have them. They look great. It's a cute oh, baby. That is nice. Cute yeah, it's really fun. And are you going to be doing any babysitting? Well, like, I, I, you know, they're going to, or I offered, yeah. I offered up my services. Um, you know, I said, particularly cause she goes to bed so early. I said, really, if you, you know, want to go out to dinner Monday and Tuesday night or go see friends, you put her down to seven and go out. I'm here. So I think they're going to take me up on that. So she does not like, um, the car seat or the stroller. <laughs> so, oh. so, hey, I think so was, she should probably just stay home. Right. <laughs> Like, so driving around Los Angeles in traffic with the screaming baby, that's a good time. I mean, that yeah. is a good time. So she was pretty wiped out when she got here last night after a long drive from the west side. Oh, okay. poor thing. I know my kids didn't like the car seat either. So um, I can be bad. That's a rough, rough road in traffic. So we'll see. But I have offered to babysit. I didn't want to force them. I didn't want to, you know, insist the comfort level, but I'm, I'm ready to roll. I am totally ready to roll with her. She's adorable. So there you go. So Liz, we're looking forward to seeing you tonight. Okay. Oh, now I'm thinking I need to bring some kind of gift or something. I didn't even think about that. We can eat off the floor now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Picnics up around the floor. Yeah. I can't wait. Okay. Well, I will be out there tonight, but, um, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but this is right in the middle of what, for me, is the best week of the year at work. There is one week a year where my job is just the easiest job in the world. And this is the week. It actually started on Thursday and extends through next Friday. But let me explain, because this is sort of this one eight-day period, I guess it is, when I think of... Your son, Colin, mm -hmm. Leon, and yeah. like the job he aspires to have when he grows up, that's the job I have right now this week, but <laughs> only for this week. So what happens this week, if you, if you follow along in the news, how they report on new TV shows and things, uh, you know, I work on the lot at 20th Century Fox and I work for all international television channels. 
Uh, but so I'm based in the U.S., but I only work on things outside the U.S. So last week, if you follow TV news, it's when they announce all the new shows for the fall. And it's what they call the upfronts. So all of the networks decide what shows they're going to actually make for the fall. And then they show them to advertisers to get the advertisers in the U.S. to support certain shows with sponsorship. Well, then what happens the week after the upfronts is that they take all of those pilots that all of the studios have made, and they show him, show them to those of us who are in the international television business. So it's called LA Screenings, and it means everyone from around the world, like all of my colleagues in Estonia and Indonesia and Chile, uh, they all come in for eight days, and we just watch TV all week, people. That's what we do. It is, it is the only week of the whole year where people in TV just watch TV all day, every day. And, uh, and the way it works, even though you see television shows on a network, like you might see it on ABC or NBC or CBS, that doesn't mean they made those shows. It's the television studios that make the shows. So it means we go to 20th Century Fox, which is our home studio, or Warner Brothers, or NBC Universal, or Sony, or Paramount. So every day, you go to a different studio, and they kind of wine and dine you, which never happens to me because I have no authority to make any kind of decision of any kind when it comes to <laughs> acquiring a television show. You know, I don't, I have no juice at all. But for this one week a year, I can operate under the illusion that, yes, I'm part, I am an international TV buyer. <laughs> so you go to the studio, they, they sort of, they always give you some kind of glamorous breakfast set up. Then they put you in a screening room and they'll say, okay, today we're going to see the eight pilots from, let's just say Warner Brothers, all the, the eight pilots that have been picked up from Warner Brothers. And they're essentially showing you Here's what we sold to CBS. Here's what we sold to NBC, ABC, Fox, whatever. But you just sit there and you watch TV all day is what you do. Several hours of television. Oh, like like nine or ten sometimes, Monica, (laughs) depending on how successful the studio has been selling their shows the week before. They don't even know until the week before what they sold and what they didn't. Yeah, And they're not going to make shows for the international TV market that hasn't been sold in the United that haven't been sold in the United States. So they find out what pilots got bought for the US and then boom, the following week they show them to us. So it literally like so it started Thursday at our home studio at 20th Century Fox. And then every day until next Friday, so Friday is the beginning of Memorial Day weekend, right? Hard so, to believe, but yeah. So Friday I will be at let me look at my schedule here. Oh, I will be uh, at the Walt Disney Company all day Friday, just watching TV, <laughs> just 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 watching TV. That's what we do all day. And so it's interesting. So you you come out at lunchtime, and again, I'm with my colleagues from all over the world, and it is fascinating to see how people can see exactly the same shows and have such wildly different opinions of them. You know, you come out and you sit down at lunch, and you might be sitting with someone from Italy and someone from Japan and someone from Brazil. And I'll say like, so what did you think of this? And it's like the three wildly different points of view on whether Hmm. it was well-made, whether it was interesting, whether the people in Italy or Brazil or Japan would like it. It is really, it's kind of a, 
for me, just I learn a lot culturally about what entertains people, what they think is appropriate on television, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so that's what I, so I'm in the middle of the best week of the year. And, uh, is there anything you've seen so far that you loved? Can you talk about it? Um, let me, yes. Okay. I can't talk about it because on Thursday, uh, we were at 20th Century Fox and we saw the, um, I think we saw about eight shows and, you know, the dramas are usually about an hour or uh, an hour, 60 minute (laughs) dramas and the comedies are 30 minutes. So, uh, and the dramas, I, so I saw like the pilot for Minority Report and the pilot for a new show called Rosewood. And, um, there were a couple of other big dramas, but I'm more of a comedy person myself. So I think that the new show called The Grinder with Rob Lowe and Fred Savage. Okay. It was hilarious. Really, really hilarious. Oh, good. I enjoyed it a lot. And so did all of our people from all over the world, which is very unusual because dramas are the kinds of things that everyone in the world buys just because it's easier than translating comedy. You know, comedy is tough to put it in, you know, we operate in 45 different languages. And if you imagine dubbing, just imagine friends and now you're in Estonia and now you have to have actors dub all those voices. It is really, it is really hard to do that. First, you have so you have to have someone translate all that comedy into your native language. Right. So comedies don't tend to really go over big internationally, uh, though there are some obvious exceptions. And like Modern Family, for instance, seems to work really well in most parts of the world. But um, so this show is Rob Lowe and Fred Savage. They're brothers. Rob Lowe has been the star for many seasons of a legal drama on TV, sort of an L.A. law kind of show called The Grinder. Oh, I and thought it was a lawyer. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, the, But that's the premise of the show, Monica, is that the show gets canceled. So he comes back to hometown where his brother, Fred Savage, and his father have been running a law practice for a long time. And he believes he knows everything there is to know about the law. So, so he starts, it's a very funny premise. So he starts coaching his brother, Fred Savage, Savage, who's like the Nebuchy brother, right? Who's not that good in court, like a really good lawyer, but doesn't have the performance quality that you might need in court. So Rob Lowe starts, you know, sort of stepping up in court. I, I won't tell you too much. But anyway, it's all about the sort of the fake lawyer and the real lawyer and their brothers and the big glamorous fake lawyers come home to Holly, from Hollywood to this small town. I forget what state they're in. And uh, so it's, you know, it's your classic family drama. <laughs> and yet they have, it sort of spoofs TV legal dramas. Uh, and Rob Lowe is basically spoofing the character of Rob Lowe, right? He's, he's right. spoofing the whole idea of being this glamorous, empty-headed television star. And uh, so he's really good at spoofing himself, and Fred Savage is great at being the Nebuchy brother who, like, can't believe that – now the grinder's back from Hollywood and he thinks he can, and he's like, I'm the grinder. I'm the one who's been grinding. I've been grinding here all these years. Because <laughs> as, as Rob Lowe walks around town, everyone's like, hey, grinder, hey. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so um, 
that show will actually be on Fox in the fall. And I thought of everything, the few things I've seen so far, uh, that was really, really funny. So I would, I would put that on your list if you like comedies, which is sort of where I live. But then the other thing that I, um, that I saw, which I think is even more important, breaking news for the Satellite Sisterhood, based on your trend report on the Tuesday show, Lynn. Mm-hmm. It's like it was just uncanny to me that on the Tuesday show, you and Julie were talking about trends, as you always do on Tuesdays, and that yeah. you had been at the Rose Bowl flea market over the weekend, and you were calling out a couple of trends that you saw as, like, the the latest thing, right? Yes. And yeah, you you can tell a lot by what's happening in particularly home decor or just any kind of pop culture thing by what's happening at the flea market, what yeah. people are collecting now. So you went way out on a limb and called it Snoopy. Snoopy. Snoopy's back. <laughs> Snoopy, back. On the, Snoopy on the comeback trail, right? Yeah. I mean, I know he's got a big feature film coming out, but it's beyond that. I mean, he's really coming back strong. I even saw like some Snoopy t-shirts in an airport gift shop last week. So I think he's everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's everywhere. So he was at work on Thursday. That's <laughs> that's why, that's what was so funny to me. I was listening to you guys talk about Snoopy Tuesday and I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. Good trend, sisters. <laughs> and then boom, I walk into the studio on Thursday for this day when they show us all the new stuff. And who is there waiting to greet us at breakfast but Snoopy? <laughs> and I wouldn't normally throw my arm, myself into the arms of Snoopy. Uh, but because, did. But I did. Yes, I did. And so that is posted. If you like our Facebook page, uh, you will see that it's posted there. I also shared it on the Facebook group. But I just felt like because you had laid the groundwork yeah. on the Snoopy comeback, I needed to provide photographic evidence that yes it is true at the highest level of corporate culture snoopy is back (laughs) and then at the beginning of the whole screenings day at 20th century fox they show you trailers for the upcoming movies too even though you're not there to buy movies they just want to get you excited about the new movies so the peanuts movie that you had heard about is actually coming from 20th century fox okay it's exciting so so that's why we have snoopy at work a lot they must be finishing up the movie and so snoopy's (laughs) there doing a bunch of stuff on the movie and uh from what i could tell from the trailer Snoopy's the star of the Peanuts movie. Yeah. I mean, of course, Charlie Brown is a major figure, but uh, there was a lot of Snoopy material in the trailer, which makes me think that Snoopy gets a lot of the best lines. So I don't know what it says about our culture or specifically about the satellite sisterhood, but that photo of Snoopy got shared more widely on Facebook than any other photo we have ever posted. <laughs> really? Yes, Monica. Yes. It's, it is crazy how much people love Snoopy. Leon, Leon was correct. It's, it's, you know, in the market research world, this is what they would call one data point, right? One data point. One photo goes out into the world and gets shared. But it's a very powerful data point, uh, I think, to prove Leon's prediction that it is time for Snoopy in our culture. That he never really went away in our hearts. That's right. what I think about Snoopy. Right, right. No, I know. Because you know what the thing about Snoopy is? He's not saccharine. You no, know, Snoopy right. is is wily. Snoopy, to him. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and it. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, we're used to tough talking animals. Now that's kind of a thing. But Snoopy had a just lovable, but also an edge. Yeah. So. 
Okay. Well, Liz. The so uh, so I'll just be watching TV all week. By next weekend, I might have a few more uh, important uh, TV stories for you. But two other things that happened this week in TV, outside of just like my world of sitting around watching TV all week, um, <laughs> is the. We succeeded in saving the Mindy Project, yeah. so yay yes, for us. got picked up by Hulu. Yes, Hulu, <laughs> going to Hulu for 26 episodes. Very, very exciting to see that uh, that Mindy lives. Lee and I noticed you retweeted some um, messages from Ike Barinholt, who we had been talking about as one of the actors in that show, who was so yes. funny. Yeah, he is funny. Yeah. So, the, uh, so, yeah, I was reading online at Entertainment Weekly, or EW, I guess you're supposed to say, <laughs> Uh, the the news about uh, the Mindy Project getting picked up for 26 episodes, and then you go into the comments section, and I don't know why I do it. You should just why do you, you just don't go? Just never read comments, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, there were comments in there, like people are like like I don't know one single human that has ever watched a single episode of this show. Well, That's what? True. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I think we know exactly how many humans have watched episodes <laughs> yeah. of this show, which is precisely what this whole story is about. But if you couldn't care less about the Mindy Project, why are you bothering to comment? Like, clearly this is not a story that involves you at all. Anyway, yeah, comment sections, I'm over it. And then the other big news story, was somebody on our Facebook group asked me about this because it does relate to 20th Century Fox, but as I've previously established... I know nothing about anything when it comes to the actual shows, and I have no authority over anything. But (laughs) you have an inside scoop, Liz. Occasionally, I do, but not on this one, Monica. Okay. Okay. Like I can, I will find out whatever I can about Snoopy, but it is much harder to find out what's going on behind the scenes at The Simpsons. Yeah. So you may have seen that Harry Shearer. You know, who's the voice of Mr. Burns and the voice of Ned Flanders, does a lot of characters on The Simpsons. He tweeted out this week that he was leaving the show, that they could not come to an agreement over his contract. And this created this Twitter storm of backs and forths. And anyway, so, so somebody did ask on the Facebook group, did I know anything about what was going on behind the scenes? So, no. But the world, for in my world... The world's leading expert on The Simpsons, Leon is your son, Colin. Yeah, yes, and so exactly. I was assuming maybe on Reddit they got the scoop or that Colin, we went to that table read of The Simpsons together. Does Colin have any insight into what's going on with the show? Well, we have talked about it, in fact, because, you know, Will, Julie's son, is also a huge Simpsons fan. So as I left them this morning, they were both sitting on the couch watching The Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> so they're currently viewing The Simpsons. But we talked about it. I saw a tweet from James L. Brooks, He was you know, who's the executive producer and creator of The Simpsons. I follow him. that said, come on, Harry, let's talk. Yeah. We're trying to get this done. I think Harry is just a cranky guy. And he's yes. had disputes before. I mean, they make $300,000 an episode. <laughs> Those voice actors, they're the highest paid, some of the highest paid actors on television. And, you know, it, that's a pretty steady job for 27 years. <laughs> <laughs> now, yes, I know is. they didn't make $300,000 for that whole time. You know, they were first at thought underpaid, but they've, you know, they've, they've, they've smoothed that up. out now. So I, I think the, I think it seems to be an issue of like cranky Harry. Cause as w- when we were there, he lives in New Orleans. He doesn't record the show in Los Angeles. Like the rest of the cast was sitting around the table and Harry was in New Orleans and stuff. He already has kind of a special deal. So I Maybe think he's, he just wants to retire. 
Yeah, maybe he does. Maybe he maybe he's done, but I don't think so. I think it's a money thing. So, there so you, you think that there's a chance that this is just a Twitter negotiation? I that think so. Will, it will all yeah. sort itself out. Yeah, and it's. I, I read another story in the Hollywood Reporter that that's actually been kind of a successful tactic for actors uh, and people negotiating is to take to Twitter. Like that gets then the fans support them as they did on Twitter. Like what? No, Mr. Burns, no Ned Flanders. And, and that puts pressure on the executive producers. So there you go. Okay. So that's what we've gleaned. We were discussing it at length last night when Will got here. It was really the first thing we talked about was the Simpsons and then Star Wars. To Twitter. <laughs> What's that? You're going to take, gonna to, take Twitter? to Twitter. <laughs> Start negotiating a new salary for yourself or something, I Monica? Yeah. <laughs> Do it on Twitter. Sure. Uh, anyway, so yeah. So, okay. So you had several technology updates you wanted to give us, Monica. I do. Okay. So the, my first story is, what is Sheila's segment called? Am I late to the party or? Yeah. I may I, be late to the party, but. I, I may be late to the party, but. I need to ask you about this. So Uber, you know, the ride sharing service has finally come to Portland. So previously the city council here in Portland had banned Uber. Big fight. There were some people arrested. There was Uber was here for like 24 hours. Everyone got excited. Then the city council banned it. But they've decided last month to give it a go. So they're having like a three-month trial period. So, of course, we talked about it at the lunch table. You know, I work with the 20-somethings. And I asked them about it. They're like, you got to get on it. So I don't have many apps on my phone. So I signed up for Uber, got the app. I said, my first question is, is it free? Is the app free? (laughs) If the app's free, I'm willing to take it. So now I have Uber on my phone. Uh, I am, I can figure out how to use it on the phone, but how does it really work? I mean, how do I know the car pulling up to the curb is the Uber car that you ordered? Is there some sort of secret signal? Do you have to like wave your iPhone or I, I just, I'm not sure how it works. It, well, I can, it, it couldn't be simpler. Okay. When you, you right the, the thing about the app is that the app knows where you are and knows where the cars are. So when you ask for a car, like a car will respond to you and say, okay, I'm coming. You'll, you'll immediately get a text message that says like, Leon will be there in four minutes and she's driving a Prius, whatever. So you know exactly who's coming. And then on the app, you can actually see where they are because it tracks them. And so by the as soon as they pull up from in front of wherever you are, you're going to get another text message from them that says, I'm here. And again, it will have a picture of the driver and what? a description of the car. So it's it's actually pretty simple to recognize your car. If that's your concern... <laughs> that part of it is easy. Uh, and then Unless you, you have a lot of cars pulling up in front of your house, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I've never seen. I've never seen any cars drive down your street. So. The curb. I don't have a curb in front of my house, so that would yeah. help. Uh, I don't have a sidewalk. Do you put your arm? I guess you don't have to put your arm up. Yeah. Then you get in. Now, is it safe? It, well, this is the yeah. debate. That's the yeah. debate. Uh, the, I've used Uber from time to time. For various things, I have never had a problem. Uh, the I, you know, I think it's a great service. But as they expand it more and more, uh, obviously the drivers, you know, 
there could be all different kinds of people signing up to be drivers because right. it's their car. And uh, so I think there are issues with background checks. There have obviously been issues with some drivers not being safe and committing crimes against the passengers. Uh, but I don't know what to tell you. I've, I've never had that experience. Okay. What if, the, what if the car pulls up and you, you feel shaky about the driver or the car is like a jalopy and you don't want to get in. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get charged. Do you? Okay. I think, well, First of all, do you still have jalopies in Oregon? <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. Is that where jalopies go to die is Oregon? Yeah, and most of the rest of the country, they all disappeared during that cash for clunkers phase, yeah. right? All the clunkers went away for the cash. But uh, they, some of them still live in Oregon. Well, I've never seen a jalopy, Monica. The cars are all new, clean cars. Like, you can't, like, like you in your car driving around in your, what, 20-year-old VW? I, I wouldn't qualify. I don't think you would qualify. As a driver, oh, so no. the cars will be nicer than yours. Yes, the cars. Oh, the cars definitely nicer than yours, and they'll definitely be nicer than the taxi cabs in Portland. That's the thing. The That's majority th of them are because the majority of the taxis in Portland are disgusting, in yeah. my opinion, and I think the drivers are unsafe. Yeah. And that's a gross generalization, but it, it applies. <laughs> but I'm going to make it. I'm but I'm going to make it because I'm afraid of the cab drivers in Portland. They drive like maniacs, in my opinion. So I'd rather be with someone in a little Prius who's willing to go the speed limit. Can I demand the speed limit? I yes, you can. As a matter of fact, one time, Monica, you always are asked to score them at the end of the drive, one through five stars. So it means they get a lot of feedback on how their drivers drive. And one time I was coming from LAX back to my house in Santa Monica and the driver really did run two stoplights. Like, like thought he was barely making it through on the, on the yellow, but not. Oh, that's yeah. awful. And so I, but I felt good that I could immediately report that, that they, so that they knew exactly who he was and, you know, that, and who I was, that's the problem with that part of it. I guess there's some, but you, you do get to score the drivers. And so I, I think the thinking is over time that would weed out unsafe drivers, but Good. you know, and, and there's no tipping. It's all included in the price. This is the best part. Phone. Really, really the best no part money. is that that's what I like. No exchange of money at all. You get where you're going. You get out. You just walk away, sister. You don't have to do anything. There's no transaction of any kind. Great. I'm definitely going to try it because now I can go to the airport. And the only time I really take a cab is when I'm going on a long trip and don't want to drive my car to the airport. Or, you know, sometimes I need a I rent a car to go on these work trips and I leave my car on the street in a neighborhood that's not totally safe. So I, I could see taking an Uber to the car rental place to get my car rental. So I'm excited to try it. I'm ready to go. Well, in so, LA, they started this thing called Uber pool now. So it's one of the choices you can make on the app where oh. the, la the last time I went to the airport, it cost me five dollars. Five dollars. That's it. Five dollars to go from Santa Monica to LAX because because it's essentially like a carpool where they stop and get other people. But I asked my driver not to stop and get anyone else, and so he didn't. <laughs> it was still five dollars. Five dollars. So I gave him five stars. <laughs> anyway, I don't mean to overpromote it. I just think like it's because most cabs are kind of a or bad, bad experience yeah. that this has managed to make as much headway as it has. That's my take. 
Yeah. Right. So just be it, careful though. I just do, do be careful. You're a single woman and they know where you live and stuff like, and they know you're going to the airport. I mean, yeah. I guess that's true of any cab driver, but yeah, I guess you know, right. yeah. There's that. Yeah. And thank you yes. for putting that seed of doubt in my mind. I know. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> no, just, there that's have been, right. there have right. been some I mean, issues. Cab, yeah. cab drivers know it too. That's yeah. why I usually prefer to drive myself, but. Well, it, you can always just turn and go, bye-bye, honey. <laughs> just try that. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. Oh, I have to run back in and tell my husband something or my <laughs> my guard dog or, I don't know, the rock is staying here at the house yeah. while it's gone. So. <laughs> so then I was reading about these other sharing economy apps and the Wall Street Journal had the story about this app. It's This is only in New York, uh, but I can see it spreading to other cities. There's one called Breather. So if you just want to rent like a quiet room or a quiet space, like someone's study or their desk, there's an app for that. And they talked about, you know, it's $33 an hour. Uh, the author of the article went to this just like empty apartment for a few hours just to have a breather. Okay. That's really, good. okay. Yes. Well, that people are desperate. That's yeah. Isn't that, that what the public not... library is for? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Leanne. Get the quiet room because all the libraries have quiet rooms. That's free and you don't need an app for that. Uh, but then there's also one called, I think we've talked about this before, Airbnb. You can find a bathroom for rent. Oh. This is a bathroom in someone's home or apartment. So you, you know, plug in your location, you got to go, you don't know where to go to the bathroom, you can just show up at someone's apartment and for like $8 or $5 use, use their facilities, use their restroom. Okay. I do not understand that on either end of the transaction. No, me neither. I don't know why me looking for a bathroom would want to go to some person's home and use their bathroom. And I don't understand why me in my home would want strangers coming in and using my bathroom. I know. That, that just seems so unappealing at every level. I know. I agree. I can. You can always find a store or a restaurant to go into, but it's a thing, Liz. You okay. Know? All right. And some bathrooms aren't that clean when you go in someone's house. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird thing. I'm not going to go for that. Um, okay. Breather and air PNP. <laughs> Moving on. I got a book out of the library last week and I know we've talked about it before. I thought, well, I'll just give it a go. It's, uh, I have it for three weeks. It's the life changing magic of tidying up. And you know, this is the bestseller. Oh, right. And Marie Kondo who talks about this, uh, what is her, her thing is called um, the KonMari method of tidying up. Yes. How tidying up it will change your life. And, you know, this is a huge bestseller. And a lot of people have really, you know, fallen for it. So I thought, well, okay, I got I to gotta read this. So I'm on page 33. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't gotten very far. But uh, here's what I've learned so far. First of all, it's called the life-changing magic of tidying up. So I was hoping for a little magic in my life. So um, this is what I've learned so far. You must go on a tidying marathon, okay? It's not just one room, 
one closet, one cupboard at a time. You have to go all in and go on this all out house assault in order to feel the magic. Okay. Okay. I'm out. She said, I thought of you yesterday, Liz, when I was cleaning up for the nine month old, I was like, Liz could not have achieved this level of <laughs> no. not cleanliness, just like just no. decluttering and stuff. I just would have lost interest so early in that process. Yes. <laughs> okay. I admit it. So tidying marathon, and I think that's how you're going to, she said, that's going to empower you to change your entire life. Okay. So tidying marathon, I can't do that. Well, I didn't do it yet. <laughs> the next thing is you must discard things. Okay. The answer is getting rid of things. It's not better storage. So if you're saying to yourself, if I just got more bins, if I just organized the garage or the basement, that's not the answer because eventually storage, it starts leaking out all over your house and it turns into clutter again okay i think Got that it. is true that is true mm-hmm. right i agree I mean, with because that i have been i have bins in the garage so uh not better storage get rid of stuff and then she recommends that you tidy up again this i'm only on page 33 <laughs> big, big <laughs> okay. these are already big insights so far but go yeah. ahead third lesson is tidy up by category not by space so you might have clothes in four different rooms. Don't do a closet in one room. A clo- Say, today I'm going to tackle my clothes. Tomorrow I'm going to tackle my books. Oh. The next day I'm going to tackle the cleaning products. So it is tidying by category, not by space. So here's what happened to me yesterday. Well, first of all... <laughs> I found, I started, I'm sorry, Marie, but I could only do one closet, one cupboard at a time. (laughs) So I started to throw away all this old Tupperware that was, you know, when it is discolored and there's no tops and you're not going to use it again. And so I got, so I got rid of that, but I found a giant cup full of coins and I made $20. (laughs) (laughs) I went to one of those coin machines for the first time in my life at Albert. I I felt like I had won the slots. (laughs) Oh, it was super exciting. So So now you're looking for more coins crawling around on the floor. um, And then I, I did a couple of closets and what I did was I decided to just organize my closet. So now I have shirts hanging together sweaters hanging together and pants hanging together and marie i apologize i know that is not a tidying marathon but it was the best i could do for one day here's the thing i'm not sure i want my house super tidy i like stuff you know i like to have like papers mementos i like to have pictures and books hanging around so i don't know what i would do if i got rid of all of that but mm-hmm. I'm going to see when I get to uh, page like 180. <laughs> How you're feeling the magic? I'm just wondering if it'll change my life. Yeah, if it'll change my life. So that's it. 
Okay, good lessons, Monica. That's good good reporting. Excellent. <laughs> and you're twenty bucks up on the house. Good. I know. That was that was just super exciting. That was just really fun. Okay, one other little tidbit, something I read at work this week which made me really happy. Because you know, I have a desk job. I'm very sedentary. I know that's killing me. They say it's, you know, really bad <laughs> for you. But Well, at least you know it. <laughs> I do, you know, I can't get the treadmill desk. I can't get a standing desk. They just wouldn't go for that. So this said a two-minute walk may counter the harms of sitting. So it was a big study. They studied people that died and why did they die and what was their lifestyle like. And they found out that people that had sedentary lives, that sat sat around, had a desk job, or watched TV all night, they they tracked their activity and they found that the group, it wasn't just enough to get up and stretch your legs, but the group that took a short stroll every hour, two minutes every hour, that group tended to live longer. Now, they're not saying this two-minute stroll is going to change your life. It's not but, cardio, right? It doesn't count towards your hour. Your one hour a day. Cardio. Yeah, the hour and 15 minutes <laughs> was to get a day. But you know what? I saw this. And I put it into action this Good. week because I love getting up and walking away from my desk. So <laughs> uh, I did, I'd say I did a two minute walk, stroll around the office, just, you know, check things out. I like to check the weather outside because I don't have a window in my office. Did a two minute walk, little stroll around about every half hour. So I put this headline right by my desk and that's my new thing I'm going to try. Right. You know, in my husband's office of the future, which is all geared towards wellness based right. on they're the, standing, aren't they? Yeah. Well, they're standing, but also they, they have a water stations, but they're sort of inconveniently located. Yes. And the idea was to get people to walk across the office to get their cup of water and then to walk back. Like it right. was to incorporate walking into the, the activity of getting water. Which is an excellent thing. And that's what we have. We've started to go to the, um, the water the the water the fountain on, <laughs> on the floor below so there's stairs involved and okay we, there you go and when you drink more water you have to get up and go to the bathroom more yeah it's all the circle of life <laughs> <laughs> well i saw i saw another headline about health and wellness that got my attention this morning um, and it was, this is in today's LA times in the business section. It says a look at why stress may be good for you. And I thought, Oh, thank God. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're way ahead. I am way ahead of the game on this. Uh, so this is a new book by an author named Kelly McGonigal. And, uh, she basically, she has looked at a bunch of studies and decided that even though it's the conventional wisdom that stress is always bad for you. That in fact, there is an upside to stress and that it's kind of all, stress is all about how you feel about it. So she started into the subject and the, so her new book is The Upside of Stress, Why Stress is Good for You and How to Get Good at It. And the basic theory is that by recognizing and working with stress, rather than ignoring it and suppressing it, you can perform better and achieve more. So stress as a motivator. And uh, she said, she goes on to say that she has the zeal of a convert, blah, blah, blah. Um, they're working better with stress, quote, could even mean the difference between having a heart attack at 50 or living into your 90s. 
So that's a quote from the book. And I was like, mm, okay, I don't really want either of those two things. <laughs> yeah. Not really up for a, a heart attack in this decade, but the 90s don't look so good either. I just want a, like, a happier life, uh, a better, healthier life between now and whatever my last day is. And I will admit, you know, I was talking earlier in this show about, like, lots of times I have the easiest job in the world. So I, I, I feel like I'm not, I'm not here to complain about stress. As a matter of fact, every time I feel stressed at work, my mantra, I'm Kelly McGonigal has a bunch of other suggestions about what you should do, but my mantra, what I say to myself is, Liz, you do not work in a coal mine, right? So you just have to, you have to change your perspective, right? Mm -hmm. That is, you may be feeling stressed within the context of what you do, but what you do should not be that stressful. It's only TV, people. It's only TV. So, um, but I was worried that I was maybe feeling the um, the negative effects of stress from a syndrome that I've developed over the last couple of months that I actually called you about this week, right, Monica? Yeah, you did. So, looking for a medical referral because this syndrome, Leanne, I, when I called Monica about it, my main question was, what kind of doctor do you see for this? Oh. Right? That was my question. Like, here's what's happening. Who who are you going to call for this? And what's happening is just fluttering eyelid on the we- on the left side. Like, oh, yeah. That like, sounds stress-related. Like, wouldn't you think that would be stress-related? So yeah. twitchy eyelid yeah. for a couple of months. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that you think, well, I don't really need to see a doctor. It's just my eyelid twitching. But when it goes on for several months. Yeah, you should see someone. Yeah. So my question for Monica was, do I see a regular doctor? Do I see an eye doctor? Or do I see some kind of neurologist? And what was your recommendation, Monica? I said to start with your regular doctor, your family family physician, your PCP. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're the gatekeeper, Liz. And yeah. you know what? Your the internal medicine doctor, they know a lot of things about a lot of different parts of the body. About fluttery eyelids? Yes. So I think that would be the place to start. And I tell you, I would do it sooner rather than later. Well, I am happy to tell you. Good. I have an appointment tomorrow afternoon. That's wonderful. Okay. I actually called right after I spoke to you. And they had just gotten a cancellation for late in the day Monday. Which was totally workable for me, considering all I'm doing all this week is watching TV. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I can sneak out of my stressful job watching TV to go over to UCLA Medical Center and have uh, have her look at my left fluttering eyelid. But, Leanne, my question for you is, if you had, like, a twitchy eyelid, would you seek medical care for I didn't even know if I should seek medical care for that. Yeah, I would if it went on for that long. First of all, it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah, occasionally when I, I used to be when I had to drink so much coffee to stay awake to do my job <laughs> because my children didn't sleep, I would occasionally, if I had too much caffeine, my eyelid would twitch and it was annoying. So yeah, I would see somebody, sure. Oh, maybe it is just caffeine. I should think about that. Anyway, so next week I'll have a report on the okay. Twitter. Okay. Again, so- I'm not a medical professional. I think Monica <laughs> is. So I would listen to her advice. I think oh. telling your doctor about it is the right thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well... More on that later, but uh, thank you for the thank you for the referral. 
Uh, we're, we're almost at an hour, you guys. What do I you know. Guys? So let's skip over the next one. Like, yeah. thank you so much. We we got a hilarious post on the Facebook page about training about how to work with women at work. We are going to get to that next week because super juicy story. Thank you so much. We will. Uh, yeah, we don't want to give it a short. Trip. Has more time than we have. Uh, Scorts okay. though, Leanne. It feels like. Scorts, we need to at least comment. Yeah, several people posted um, a new product on the Facebook page. It's a gray pinstripe work skort. Okay, and this is from the same people that brought us the um, those yoga pants that you always get advertised, yoga pants that look like real pants. Okay, and apparently the founder of this work skort, this gray pinstripe work skort, said, you know, she has to go to work, but then she also likes to hike and, and um, do yoga and stuff. And I think the question is really at work. I mean, I don't. <laughs> why? I don't understand. I, much- I can see if you have a treadmill desk and you have it at a very steep incline, <laughs> <laughs> you need one of these work squirts and you're in an open office. If all those three, three things exist. Then you need to work score. Yeah, it's a pretty small group of people that are hiking, biking, dancing, yoga, and working. And that's what she said. She likes to do all her adventures, but also look sharp at the office. I mean, it seems like you could get more than one piece of clothing to do those things. <laughs> but I guess if you have to just wear one thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't really understand it for 88 bucks why you would have a pinstripe skirt with, like, shorts with uh, pockets underneath it. That's... Well, Leon, the at the at the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, quite a few of the commenters disagree with you. Oh, really? They thought it was yeah. good. Yeah, Christine says, "Oh, I think these are awesome. I always envied my little granddaughter's version of these." <laughs> Tiffany said, "I bought a couple of similar similar things at Sam's, and I really like them. Mine are meant for exercise, but I wear them as regular casual skirts." Julie just said she started wearing bike shorts under her skirts anyway. So that's <laughs> she was already going in that direction. Wow. Okay. But All ta- right. Terry was sort of more in your camp. She said she didn't really have a need for that because she no longer plays on the monkey bars. Right. And uh, so, anyway, there are a wide range of comments on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group uh, about that. And uh, so. You never know. It, there's, you know, there's a product for everyone out there, and some people need pin, pin I guess they're just people that want to do it. They want to go to yoga. They want to go to court and practice law. Then they want to go out for lunch and do some hiking, and then they want to come back and have Climbing some wall of work. Yeah. I don't know. And they're doing it in a gray pinstripe skirt. So good for them. All right. And then last week I mentioned um, this new phenomenon, the cats of Disneyland, that I was now following them on Twitter and their blog because there was a group of Disney fanatics, aficionados, who now spend a lot of their free time at the Disney parks just trying to photograph these mysterious cats. And we got a tremendous response from this, Liz. And, you know, as a dog person, it was hard for me to give myself over but to cats. But I really have been enjoying the Disneyland cats Twitter feed, the blog. Several of our satellite sisters had, in fact, spotted cats at Disneyland. They posted their own photos of Francisco, the cat from California Adventure. So Liz, I don't know, Monica, you're, you opened yourself up to cats a couple of years ago, but I wonder if there's something in the air because yesterday I was, you know, frantically cleaning at three o'clock in the afternoon, finishing up in my kitchen. I look out and there's a cat in my backyard. 
And um, I've seen him a couple of times now. Ever since I lost my German Shepherd, my backyard has been overrun by <laughs> animals, and I can't stand it. The squirrels, the cats, I can't stand it. Birds now just landing in the middle of the grass. I can't, I can't believe it. It's just so bold, you know. No one ever came in the backyard with the German Shepherd. So I see this cat. And we make eye contact, but you know, the cat's a good 40 feet away, 40 yards away. And so then I go to change a load of laundry and I come back. The cat is in my house. What? The cat has come oh. inside my house. The Ooh, cat is taking so, a liking. Yeah. He really, like, I hope I had the back door open to get some fresh air in and the cat's in my house. And I thought, am I just giving off this pro cat vibe <laughs> now that the cat thinks, oh, she's welcoming. Like I let one Disneyland cat into my life. And the next thing I know, cats are coming in my house. <laughs> <laughs> the word's out in Catland. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. It's a cat signal. That's funny. Isn't it funny? Yeah. I mean, it quickly exited when I showed up, but I mean, that cat wanted in. Any guy came in. So there you go. I'm, I must something, I don't know, must, maybe it's catnip. I'm like catnip. I'm like catnip now. <laughs> catnip. All right. Hey, I have a question for you, Leanne. I yeah. know that with Julie in Machu Picchu this week, you're on your own for the Tuesday show. So what's your plan? I am. You know what? I'm actually talking to two authors this week. So I'm looking forward to it. I booked a couple authors starting our Word Write series. So we're going to be talking to Eleni Gage, who is a travel writer who's been published many places. And she has a terrific new novel called uh, The Ladies of Managua. It's set in uh, Managua and New Orleans. And it's just wonderfully evocative. So I'm looking forward to talking to her. And then I'm talking to a first-time novelist who was a lawyer for many years and has written like, an interesting like women's fiction book about uh, an internet obsession, like people who just cannot stop checking their phones, checking their Facebook page, and what that does to our ability to like have a normal relationship. So uh, it's, it's both very different books, but I'm looking forward to talking to both of them. So I'll, I'll do those interviews Tuesday and I'll post them Tuesday afternoon. So there will be something to listen to, even though Julie is in Machu Picchu. Oh, this is funny, you guys. It's 7 a.m. We're up with the little family this morning. My cell phone pings. Uh, I, have a, I have a text message and I, I look at Will. I go, oh, I bet it's your mother. And... Uh, I pick up the phone. No, it's not Julie from Machu Picchu because I'm sure she was out of a signal. It was Tram. It was her husband. <laughs> Did the family get there? Is everybody okay? <laughs> it never even occurred to me. And yeah. then, and then Will started like once I made contact. Then we started getting pictures of Julie and her friend uh, at Costco, at Cusco, the town near Machu. Costco. <laughs> we go to Costco. Julie goes to Cusco. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. I'm going to BevMo. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Can I bring uh, any BevMo this afternoon to the... Uh... Yeah, bring a BevMo. Okay. Yeah, right. bring a Bev. MoBev is good. I always think MoBev is good. Bring it. Bring it on. You uh, know, can I just mention one thing super quick? I just saw a headline... Good for them. Pitch Perfect 2 beat Mad Max this weekend. And in a week where there's been a lot of talk about the only 4% of women directors in Hollywood, Elizabeth Banks directed that movie. It blew it out of the water, blew Mad Max out of the water and all their predictions. Yeah, good for them. I know. Good for them. I'm like, we... We have house guests. We were supposed to go this weekend, the boys and I. It's my Mother's Day gift. But we're going to go next weekend. So I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. You guys busy this week? Monica, you doing anything? Uh, working. Okay. <laughs> I'm uh, watching TV. TV. And tidying. Tidying. 
Okay. Watching TV. That's what I'm doing this week. Uh, okay, cool. So, everybody have a good week. Leon, the Tuesday show sounds really fun. Uh, everyone out there, enjoy yourselves. We are the Satellite Sisters. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.